Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. Uh, first of all, quick apologies for this. Um, I know a Monday's podcast, it was just that I, I forgot to put it up. <laughs> we recorded it on Sunday. We were all ready to go. And Scott texted me like, yeah, it's, it's not in the feed. Did you check that? I'm like, yep, didn't put it up. So if you were uh, wondering where the Maryland recap was, it's up there now. So if you haven't had the chance, you can go back, download, listen to that. Uh, so apologies there. Today, we're here to talk about the Ohio State game. Uh, a little delayed. My mom is actually in town, so schedules are being uh, worked around. But uh, yeah, we've got a game to preview. Um, look, we're, we know <laughs> we know we're playing Ohio State. We know the probable results uh but we're going to try to look at this in a as optimistic way as we possibly can we're, we're not going to try to get too much into the doom and gloom and the reality that's probably in front of us but scott it's uh what thursday morning here how are we doing today uh we're good we're ready for some football i have a three-day week and i uh i got a new job like early nice. this year and i never got um columbus day slash indigenous people's day off before so this is a this is a really exciting october for me um i don't have any literally any plans for a three-day weekend which is highly unusual and i'm very much looking forward to it i feel like i can like do my typical football binge watching and still just have a whole extra day of the weekend to do normal weekend things so uh yeah the vibes are are high extra time to cope uh with whatever happens this weekend <laughs> and uh or yeah, extra always... time to celebrate you never know or extra time <laughs> to celebrate that's right uh so yeah we're i'm excited um it's it's a pretty good slate uh across the country so there's plenty of other good football to to watch too plenty of teams on upset alert so should be a good weekend yeah so stock up for scott's weekend hope everybody else has uh, a nice weekend ahead uh, I'll actually be in Belgium this weekend, so that'll be exciting. Have some nice beer, and uh, we'll see where that goes for me. So, um, yeah, we're we're gonna get into the Ohio State game here in a second. Before we do, of course, our friends at DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, 
Uh, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. Also, stepped up, same game, parlays. You can add a, a few little, you know, touchdown score above this or over this number of yards, whatever the case may be. Throw down on stepped up, same game parlays once per game, once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member, to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. So I think the the obvious starting point here, we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit about Ohio State. We'll talk a little bit about kind of the history of our matchup with them and uh, and then get into our matchup here this year. And in Ohio State, look, we know they're 5-0. and they're ranked, I don't even know what they're ranked, number three, number two in the country right now behind Bama and Georgia. I'm pretty sure they're three. Um, and they're a juggernaut. It is what it is. They always have been in the Big Ten. It feels like, you know, we kind of joke about this, but it's like they've had, what, three bad seasons in, like, the history of the program. And for them, it's a bad season is, like, six and six. It's It's ridiculous. The last six times... We have played Ohio State. Ohio State is six and zero. The combined score of those matchups, two hundred and thirty-three to fifty-four. So the the kind of magic of that D'Antonio run, uh, where we got him three times. There was the two thousand eleven game that was pretty ugly, but then we all remember, obviously, the twenty thirteen Big Ten Championship, the twenty fifteen game down in Columbus. You know, we've had some moments against Ohio State, but arguably more than basically anybody else in the Big Ten over the last decade. Unfortunately, again, you know, that that tide has turned towards Ohio State and it's really only gotten worse. They've hung 50 plus on us the last two times that we've played them. But every game is a new game. Every season's a new season. Every player is a new player, right? It's it's it is different, but you you kind of look at this matchup like I know we're looking at this the same way that you are at home. I'm sure it's it's looking bleak, but got to remember there are some times here. I mean, 1998, we go into this game unranked in Columbus, Ohio State's number one in the country. We take them down 28-24. I'm pretty sure Julian Peterson had like nine sacks in that game. Um Anything is possible on a college football Saturday, and and we're going to try to keep that in mind before we get too down in the dumps here. It is a home game. We're in the woodshed. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Ohio State in 2022, Scott, uh, C.J. Stroud, you've got Mayan Williams now. We all thought Travion Henderson going into the year. All of a sudden, Mayan Williams comes out. He's running for eight yards a carry eight touchdowns already this year. Um, no Jeff Jackson Smith and Jigba for most of this season as well. No problem. Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Egbuka. We know they're loaded. We know they're talented. They can lose a star player. They can lose two star players. They can probably lose three or four star players and win most of the games on their schedule. Um, Jim Knowles comes over and takes over a defense that was struggling last year but seems to have kind of found their groove a bit this year. Um, we look at 2022 Ohio State. I mean, 
it's it's hard to narrow it down to just one thing, but what kind of stands out? Well, they have the same offense they've had and a much better defense. So, yeah, uh, it starts with C.J. Stroud, obviously, potentially the best quarterback in the country, um, certainly top three. And uh, it, he has not slowed down. He's passing it at a 69% clip with almost 1,400 yards, 18 touchdowns, and two interceptions so far this year. Uh, Ohio State's so given ridiculous. up three sacks through five games. Um, and they have two running backs with over 300 yards already. Mayan Williams pushing 500. They have, oh, let's see, 15 rushing touchdowns and 18 passing touchdowns. Very balanced. Uh, they run the ball 36 times a game. They pass the ball 30 times a game. Uh, they, they're they averaging 530 yards per game on offense. The defense is averaging giving up 264 yards per game. So they're basically doubling their opponent's yardage almost exactly on average. Um, they average less than one turnover a game. They average one turnover forced per game. So they're winning the turnover battle. Uh, they only give up about five penalties a game. I mean, it's about as good as it can get down in, in Columbus right now. The the one thing that might be, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe I'm saying this, holding them back is injuries a little bit. Uh, Travion Henderson is banged up, didn't play last week. He's uh, week day to day. It sounds like he might come back. Jackson Smith and Jigba has been out since uh, the second game of the year, I think. Um, he might come back. He has a hamstring injury, so he's he's day to day. But it sounds like they might try to get him back out on the field this weekend. They got a couple uh, key defenders that have been battling injuries, but uh, again, they might all come back for this game. So if it, you know, it, it, I wouldn't like if I was Ryan Day and I had day to day guys coming into this game, I'd be like, yeah, let's take one more week. But uh, you never know. Obviously, it's sad that we're in that spot because you, you went, we, we went into the season. Uh, there were a lot of, I mean, national people that were looking at Ohio State's schedule and saying, you know, tough one up in East Lansing. And, you know, kind of that was one of the two or three games that they circled along with Penn State and Michigan, where it was like, hey, that's that's a slip up spot right there. Now it's just, hey, if you're even a little bit nicked up, don't worry. We, we got this without you. It's... <laughs> I remember I should have looked this up, but I didn't think of it until now. I remember last year there was an injury storyline with this game, but I can't remember if it was a MSU or Ohio State that had all the, like some one of them had like twenty five guys typically like starter not starters but like contributors that weren't playing in that game last year. Yeah, we had um, a bunch of guys out. I remember yeah. Crouch was kind of a game time decision. We had a few guys on the back end that were banged up a couple like offensively. It was just, um, and that, that was kind of frustrating last year is like, if we were fully healthy, would it have been 49 to nothing at halftime? Like probably not. And maybe we don't get as embarrassed on national TV as, you know, maybe it's 42 to 14 instead of 56 to seven or whatever it turned out to be. Uh, and, and that's kind of, that's, it sucks going into this year too, knowing like, man, it's gonna be ugly again, most likely. And again, we're we're coming into this game without our three best defenders, Jacob Slade, Darius Snow, and Xavier Henderson. Um it's just kind of one of those where you're like, I'm not saying that it's the difference between a win and a loss, but 
if this game does get out of hand and get ugly like it did last year, you're kind of in the back of your head frustrated because you know the national storylines that are going to come out of it. And you're just thinking, well, it, it wouldn't have been that bad with if we were fully healthy. But then that's just a terrible response to people like, well, instead of 56 to 7, that game really should have been 42 to 7. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah, so I I mean, we got to we're not going to spend too much time in the doom and gloom. I think we both we'll just put it on the table. We both think we're going to lose pretty big uh this weekend, right? I, I don't I don't think we need to spend too much time on that. We really want to focus on like some micro storylines in this yeah. game, right? So individuals, matchups or or um specific phases of the game that that we'd love to see progress in or that we think maybe we have an advantage if you can if you can find one. Um, the, the best example was 2021. This was a little bit of a Darius Snow breakout game, and it seems weird to say breakout game against Ohio State, but if you kind of just watched him on every play, you look back at the end and you're thinking, well, hey, the, the score was what it was, but this guy really showed me something against the best competition he's going to play all year. So like, who are those guys where you're thinking – Hey, if you just focus entirely on this guy and just watch him, the whole play, the whole series, whatever, and just don't even pay attention to the rest of it, um, that you could come out with some optimism. So I don't know if this is, I, well, I, this isn't going to be an advantage for MSU, but one thing I'm really excited to see is Jaden Mangum if he does start again, because he's last game I didn't feel like he was tested all that much and maybe that's because he was just keeping a lid on the on the defense and uh he did his job and they didn't challenge him but Ohio State's going to want to throw those seams if you remember last year against our cover three they were hitting that seam route against Angelo Gross over and over and over like Darius Snow had a, a breakout game Angelo Gross had a nightmare game last year at that safety spot so could be the same I can imagine. Mangum, but I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see him get his first big challenge against, obviously, one of the best offenses in the country to really get a gauge on where he's at right now. Yeah, I could imagine last year Ryan Day just laughing as he was calling that play again. He's like, I'm just going to do this again until they could stop it. And he's like, oh, they still can't? Okay, well, here's another 40-yard chunk player down your throat. <laughs> yeah, so... um We'll see. I think it's going to be a tough game for him. I don't think he's going to... Uh, I doubt he will have a breakout game. I doubt he will flash and have a above-average performance because it's Ohio State and he's brand new and it's they're full of athletes and we all know. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see him get challenged. It's a hard position to watch because of the broadcast right. angle. Um, but Well, I was just going to say, is it with Mangum, if we come out of this thinking positive thoughts, is it is it almost better if we just don't see him, right? Because it's almost like the more you see him, the more it's like, oh, there's number one getting cooked in coverage again. Or if it's just kind of like against Maryland where it's like, I, I don't really remember him doing anything. And it's like, for a lot of defensive backs, that's usually kind of a good thing. Similar to offensive linemen, right? If you don't remember an offensive lineman's performance, that probably means he just did his job and you never really noticed it because he wasn't getting beat. And then you're like, whoa, who's 56 out there just getting turned around, you know? Um, so maybe the less you see of Jaden Mangum, the better he's playing because yeah, of the I broadcast think angle that I complain about every week. Best case scenario... Uh, if first quarter they take a couple deep shots to test him, he holds his own. 
not going to hold my breath over an interception. CJ Stroud doesn't throw interceptions, but like brackets coverage uh, on a, on a seam or a post a couple of times. And they're like, all right, we're not, that one's not working out. We're going to flip the page on the playbook and you just kind of have a quiet game from him. Um, we'll see. Yeah. I I'm also interested to see him supporting the run. Uh, I didn't key in on him too much last week in that respect, but he's a smaller guy and I want to see how he can come up and fill holes and tackle. Um, Mayan Williams is a lot like the backs we've seen the last two weeks with Littleton at Maryland and, uh, Ibrahim at Minnesota. Mayan Williams is a, he's a bulldozer. He's five, eight, two twenty seven. Oh yeah. Uh, Travion Henderson is powerful, but his, his game breaker trade is speed. Mayan Williams is just a bowling ball coming through. So that's that's not a matchup you love for Jaden Mangum if he gets through to the second, third level. But I will see, you know, it's it's like Chuck Brantley, right? I mean, he's gonna tackle Mayan Williams, or damn it, he's gonna try. <laughs> is Mangum built that same way mentally where he's not afraid of anything? We'll we'll find out. Yeah, as a reference point, Mayan Williams is the same weight as Eli Collins, and he's five inches shorter. <laughs> five inches shorter. Yeah. I To go to another guy on defense, because, again, I think that's the side of the ball where we're the most afraid. Another matchup that I'll be really trying to key in on is towards the line of scrimmage, a little bit easier to watch play-to-play. Simeon Barrow has been up and down, I think, you know, without his partner in crime, Jacob Slade on the field, taking away a lot of that attention from the interior, he's made some splash plays, but he hasn't been nearly as consistent as he was with Slade in there. Uh, I'm assuming Slade's not going to be back for this game. So I'll be watching Simeon Barrow. And and if he's able to win a lot of these one-on-one matchups when he gets them, whether it's trying to get after the quarterback or trying to stuff the run, you're not going to face too many offensive lines that are better than Ohio State, probably Michigan, and that's about it the rest of the year. So if he is really making plays and and stopping the run and getting a couple pressures on Stroud without Jacob Slade against Ohio State, that's a really big uh, you know resume boost for him. So you know of the line of scrimmage, like we know, we're we're out a couple guys. Both of the edge guys with Petrovsky and Bogle, I'm I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything or heard anything, but I'm just going to go on the assumption that they're out. Um, and Jacob Slade, obviously, as well. So if, if Barrow can really hold his own there, make a few plays, that'll give me some optimism moving forward, especially knowing at some point Slade's going to come back. And does this experience without Slade really kind of boost the confidence of Barrow going forward? And then you have a really deadly interior duo I'll be watching that. Yeah, and Jacoby Winman, can he make a reemergence yeah. at some point this season? Um, he's been quiet the last three games after obviously his huge breakout performances to start the year. Um, if he's a game wrecker, you know, he, he's got he can't have quiet games. And um, I'm not saying he's going to sack CJ Stroud over and over, but a couple pressures, get him off his platform, flush him out of the pocket, you know, get his eyes off his receivers downfield um be great to see something from him you know coming into this year we saw obviously the break not coming into but early in the season we saw the breakout and we're thinking well geez he's gonna play himself into the first round of the draft at at this rate and now um i'm trying to look up his eligibility but i've got like a 
dozen tabs open and it's not loading. <laughs> um, I think yeah. he's got like two if, years because of COVID. I was going to say, if he's got more, I mean, at this point, he's looking like he's coming back. So yeah. um, I, I would love to see a big game from him. It's a big stage, probably the biggest stage he's played on in his college career. Um, coming from UNLV up to the big leagues yeah. in the Big Ten. So um, plenty of eyes going to be on this game. And I mean, every player circles this game individually and says, this is the this is the week. If you're going to do something individually, like eyes are on Ohio State. National eyes are, are looking. NFL scouts are watching scouts, this game. Yep. And uh, so, yeah. This is I the mean, first game you're going to turn on if you're a scout and you're thinking about Jacoby Winman. You're going to look at the schedule and say, oh, Ohio State. Let me put that tape on. How did you do against the best? Yeah, that's yeah, it. So, I mean, who's the if if we're sticking on defense before we move? Who's the guy that we'll we'll have some fun here with one name? Like, is there a guy that makes you the most nervous? Kind of the other side that you're not really excited to watch, and you're just like, oh god, just please don't really ruin this. Um, because I have a name. Uh, I mean, there's a few names buzzing around in my head. <laughs> I mean, the secondary gives me nerves, but honestly, with how this year's gone, the linebackers and specifically Ben Van Summeren, like, okay, the dude, he's physical enough to hold his own, but man, he gets lost like over and over and over, and he just, <laughs> it just seems to react slowly. He's thinking too much, and I just especially in pass coverage against like their athletic running backs and tight ends. I just, uh, and I was watching the Wisconsin Ohio state highlights and Wisconsin was playing a lot of like cover three zone. Like we like to, and CJ Stroud better than anyone else just loves to drop those teardrops behind the linebackers in front of the safeties. And he can hit every throw in the book. And if you're playing he feathers, like, those thing in there, yeah, it's, it's so it's good. Unbelievable. And if you're playing that kind of reserved zone look, I mean, I don't, we don't have the horses to play man against Ohio state. So I don't know how we wouldn't play zone, but if yeah. you're giving him the typical like Scotty Hazleton, Michelin man zone, uh, <laughs> he's going to, he's going to tear us up. And especially in the middle of the field against our linebackers who have struggled against every opponent in pass coverage. I'm, I'm worried about both linebackers. My, really? I was going to say, cause my name was the other linebacker. Cause Halliday, I love the kid, but he can't cover. He just he can't cover anybody. And I re what was the play? It was um it was either Minnesota or Washington. The he the running back came from the backfield, motioned out wide to the boundary, and they were playing man, and Halliday followed him over, and the running back ran a straight line, turned around, no like cut and run back to the ball like a real comeback route he just stopped he turned around he waited about three seconds and the ball hit him in the face mask he caught it for a touchdown halliday looked as if he ran like a triple move and it was just yeah, like no nope, he ran a straight line and he turned around <laughs> um yeah, I, he makes he, me very nervous on saturday <laughs> yeah cal halliday has been a. I hesitate to use the word disappointment, but it, I think we were a, a little bit overly expectant of him coming yeah. into this year because he made a lot of flash plays last year that would have made you think he had an excellent year when in reality he made some great plays, but also certainly had holes to his game that I don't think necessarily I was paying as much attention to because it just... Like, and it's 
it's the whole vibe too, right? So every time yeah. he makes a great play, you remember it because the announcers talk about it for 12 minutes about the chicken farmer who doesn't wear any gloves. So you remember them a little more. And I'm not saying like he's bad. I, still, I love the kid. He's a good football player. He just can't cover anybody. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's probably still Ryan Day's like jumping out of bed every day this week going, honey, it's Michigan State week. He's just in a great mood, bopping around the house, yeah. you know, wearing his favorite outfits, like hugging his kids all the time. Like he's just, there is no stress in the day household right now. Text CJ right when he wakes up. CJ, you know what week it is. Let's get those yeah. Heisman stats, baby. Getting into work early every day just to watch some tape with uh, with an extra, you know, smoothie to to make the day even better. Whatever Ryan Day does to make his mornings nice. Um, Normally he gets the he just gets a tall black coffee. He's like, you know what? Give me a give me a, a cappuccino. Yeah, give yeah. me give me the latte this week. Let's go pumpkin spice. You know, yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, it, it. I hate to be negative like that, but at the end of the day, like it, it's still a pick your number. I mean, come on, we got destroyed by Minnesota. We got worked by Washington. Like yeah. this is Ohio State and. I mean, I don't know. In 2016, it was a one-point game, so anything can happen. You, you mentioned in 99, we beat the number one team in the country in Ohio State, and we were unranked at home. You have the home field advantage, um, although the last time we were at home, we got booed off the field, so take that with a grain <laughs> of salt. But it, to me, it's a pick-your-number game. Do you real quick sidebar? Uh, so there's always this thing when, it, when we're bad and it, it comes up where the whole – don't sell your tickets to other fans. I think that applies to one game and one game only, no matter how good or bad we are, and that's Michigan. If Michigan's coming into town, you don't sell your ticket to a Michigan fan. That's just, that is what it is. Anybody else on the schedule, get your money, man. I, I, If you tell me that you sold your ticket and you found out that it was an Ohio State fan, hey, I... Get your 50 bucks, get your 60 bucks, whatever it was. I can't fault you for that. These tickets are expensive, man. If you're getting season tickets, you're spending a few hundred bucks plus the amount that you're spending every week on tailgates and stuff. Like, I, a lot of people get like genuinely angry about this. You sold your ticket to own Ohio State. I'm like, what do, what do you want me to do, man? Like, I, <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, like, I, I get where Mel Tucker's coming from, right? He's, he's pulling out all the stops to try to make it the best atmosphere he can give his team the best chance to win. Like he's the head coach. Yeah. He has to do but, that. That's... Yeah. But he lives and breeds MSU football. It's his livelihood. It's his life right now. So those fans, like as much as we want to believe we have 70,000 diehard fans who like wouldn't flinch at an Owen 12 season, like these people spent their hard earned money and you're asking them to also spend their time to come to Spartan stadium and support a team they expect a return on investment with tickets that are just getting more and more expensive. Right. Let's call it like it is. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's easy to say that I don't blame anybody for selling their tickets. And like at the end of the day, depending on how you're selling them, it's hard to control who buys them a lot of times. Right. Unless your neighbor wants them, but there's not a ton of Michigan state group or whatever. Like there's not a ton of Michigan state fans desperate to spend a few hundred dollars to go to a game. They weren't already planning to go to, to see us lose to Ohio state. Like that's just the reality of it. There's a lot of Ohio state fans 
who live near the border, who even live in Michigan, who are like, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity, short road trip up to East Lansing to, to watch us crush somebody. So, <laughs> I mean, it's supply and demand. And like, sure, you can be a, a an idealist or a purist about it. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's going to happen. And I don't blame anybody for that. So offensively, I mean, it. Last year, you could argue that the offense performed just as badly as the defense. We got one garbage time touchdown at the end with Keon Coleman. But other than that, it was, I mean, it was like three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Just give the ball right back to the And that was with a, relative to their standards, a bad Ohio State defense. Um, This year, you go in, the offense has struggled. I mean, 13 points against Maryland. You got off to kind of a hot start and then just absolutely fell on your face, shut out against Minnesota until until the end is basically a shutout again. I the way I view it, it's it hasn't been good and it's really hard to find reasons to believe that this will be the day that they turn it around against arguably the most talented group that you're going to face all year. So. Again, like if we're if we're coming up with the game plan or if we are just trying to enjoy this experience of watching the game on Saturday, um, I start with the with the wide receivers and saying the run game hasn't been very successful as as the last what five weeks basically. It just hasn't been very successful. And can you really go the RG3 method of effort? We're not even going to try to run the ball. We're throwing the ball on every play. Uh, probably not. But look, if you have one position group that talent-wise, skill-wise, athleticism-wise, you might be able to match up, if not have an advantage, it's at the wide receiver position. And it's it's unfortunate that your quarterback is not playing at a high level right now. It's unfortunate that your offensive line isn't very good right now, but that's, that's the one spot. If you're in the coaching game plan all week, you're looking at your wide receivers and just saying, all right, throw our normal game plan out the window. We got to just give these guys opportunities as often as we can. We got to, we got to design these plays and structure them in a way that we are giving somebody a one-on-one look on every play and we're just going to give them chances. I was just talking with my brother about how frustrating it is that, what was it, against uh, Western Michigan, we threw up a couple jump balls to Keon Coleman down the field. He came down with them effortlessly. And again, it's Western Michigan, it's not Ohio State, but he made those look so easy. Where has that been? We, we haven't even given him a chance down the field. So you got to just try to find ways to incorporate that. Give your wide receivers chances this week because they're the only position group that should be able to, again, athletically, talent-wise, hold their own. Yeah, the challenge is with the RG3 method. The reason it went to 49 to nothing at halftime last year is because our, our offense had the ball so little yeah. that three Ohio out, State three had out, so much out. time to on to score and to have more drives. I mean, last year's drive chart on offense in the first half for Michigan State was a five-play punt, uh 13-play missed field goal, and that was if we're being honest, that was the dagger. Uh it was 14 nothing <laughs> already. And that was we it. missed the field goal and that was it. 
Uh, we had five plays with the fumble. The second quarter was almost as bad as it could be. Three, three and out punt, three and out punt, three and out punt, six play punt. Um, the for the whole game, I haven't calculated it for like the um, first half, but if you just look at the the full game, Ohio State had the ball for like forty minutes. 38 minutes to 22 in possession and last year our offense was better at keeping the ball than it is this year if you look at the matchups we've had i mean that's why we lost to minnesota we had the ball like i don't remember exactly it was like it was like like 14 minutes for the whole game ridiculous (laughs) so (laughs) you look at this matchup and like yeah i want to throw the ball downfield but peyton thorne you mentioned isn't playing at a high level and you got to try to stay on the field a little bit yeah. But but can we run the ball against Ohio State's front? So, yeah, I mean, we've been saying it for, for a while to get these wide receivers more involved, and maybe the reemergence of Jaden Reed a little bit last week is something we can build on. And he can – I mean, you, at a certain point, you got to find your, your best matchup, and in the first quarter, you just go after it 100%. Yep. And with this offense, your best matchup is going to be Jaden Reed against anyone. And Ohio State might have plus defenders – they both of their starting corners were out last week, so I mean they they typically reload with at any position. But I mean if you're looking for a positive, if those guys are still out, you might have Jaden Reed against at least an inexperienced corner. He might not be mm-hmm. not talented, but inexperienced. And yeah, you got to start just giving your athletes a chance. You look back at like the 2020 Michigan game, and Michigan didn't end up being a very high quality team that year either. But that was the Rocky Lombardi year. We didn't have anything to go off of, so we said, "Screw it, we're just going to throw bombs in whatever <laughs> one-on-one matchup we can find." And it happened to be Ricky White, and and it worked, and we won the game because of it. And like, it, it was a lucky game plan, but it worked. And then when you're facing a when you're a twenty-six point, point underdog, yeah, spread, you got to just see what happens. You know, you go after whatever one or two matchups you think you might have a slight advantage in, and then you just hammer them, and you game plan your way to get into one-on-one matchups with those guys and and you see where it takes you problem with running the ball is there's like seven one-on-one matchups that have to go your way for a successful Mm -hmm. play in the passing game you get a quick pass out there you need like one guy to beat one guy on some occasions to get a positive play well and that's the thing is you know it's always you know you got to run the ball because you got to sustain drives and move the it's like okay that that sounds good but then all of a sudden, okay, first down, you go incompletion, and then it's second and 10, and it's really hard to get a first down. Okay, uh, yeah, for sure. That's that's a, a con for throwing the ball all the time. But on the same note, with how we've been looking this year, if you run the ball on first down and you get a half a yard, and then it's second nine and a half, and then it's like, well, what what did we really accomplish there? So I'm I am very anti air raid throw the ball on every play guy that's that's not a way to like win football games consistently look at what we just talked about with ohio state you think about them and just throwing the ball all over the yard but they're running the ball more than they're throwing it this year and same with alabama and same with georgia like these teams that are great they're not just throwing the ball every play there's a reason for that Michigan, pop yeah. up Michigan, but they run the ball as well as anyone in the country yeah. the last couple of years. Um, and that's <laughs> even with Cade McNamara as their quarterback took him to the playoff because they right. focused on that. So, so as a as a general philosophy, like I I disagree with the whole just 
just go out and throw the ball, the RG3 method. But on Saturday, that's your only chance of winning this game. Because if, in my opinion, if you try to establish the run and play your game plan and and nameless, faceless opponent, we're just going to play our game. Best case scenario is what? You lose by three touchdowns? Like, you're not going to win the game that way. You might keep it a little bit closer if you can, you know, be a little bit more productive in the run game than you think we might be. But, like, you're not going to win that way. And so you're kind of just waving the white flag. And I know as a coaching staff, like, it's it makes it a lot more difficult than we make it seem as fans to just say, screw it, we're just going to try to do everything we can to win this game because we don't think we're as good. Like those coaches, those players, they can't really view it the same way because there's delicate personalities and egos and um, competitive drive at play there where if you start hinting to your players that you know that they are worse than the other team's players, that that's a pretty dicey situation, right? Like I understand why coaches kind of avoid certain language in press conferences and stuff like that. But this is one of those games where I kind of think everybody in the locker room knows. And so you just, you throw out the game plan that you normally would. And you just kind of, again, try to take some shots. And, and again, it's, it's Jaden Reed who talked about this week, actually how he had to get stitches in his back after hitting the bench And so hopefully that's just kind of one of those things where it's not like a lingering hamstring or something. That's just one day it's going to be better and he'll be fine. Right. In theory. So maybe that's this week where he's, he's a hundred percent, the cuts all healed up. We're all, we're all systems go and you can really start taking advantage of him a bit more than we have so far this year. You have Keon Coleman on the other side where if Jaden Reed, can command a double team or two here and there, then re- then Coleman is one-on-one on the other side against an inexperienced quarter, maybe a shorter corner, and you can throw up a couple jump balls. Like, is that the, you know, we we talked about this briefly and we'll we'll get into it. Is you wake up Sunday morning, Michigan State won the game. The one in a hundred, one in a million chance. All right, like, hey, it's football, it's ev- it's Saturday. Things happen. Crazy things happen. We've seen it over and over again. And for me, that's the path, is that it's it's similar to the 2020 Michigan game in the sense that, like, we just hit, it's, you know, you look back at it and you're like, man, it seems like every time that ball went up in the air more than 20 yards down the field, one of our guys came down with it. And every time I thought, man, we can't hit this play again. And we did. And we can't hit this bomb again. And we did. And it just kind of, kept kept going and kept going and then you built some momentum at home and it's for me it all it starts and it ends with big explosive offensive chunk plays that's that's our only chance to win yeah it's hard i mean the the question of wake up sunday at msu beat ohio state how did it happen is it's it's hard to imagine that i think in order to get those chunk plays like I think you still have to have some ball control offense. I don't know if it has to be the running game. Like, you know, sometimes they talk about using the passing game as an extension of the running game, right? Quick passes, pop passes, Mm -hmm. wide receiver screens, ways to get the ball out 
into open space with athletes and we have athletes to make guys miss. We, you know, they're out there. So how can you use that as a way to set up the big play, right? Build some tendencies on short passes and then you hit a double move, you know, once every other drive and it, it just has to work. Well, let's be real. It has to work every time. Like you have to hit every shot you take in a game like this, if you want things to swing in Michigan state's direction. So yeah, I mean, what last question here, I think that'll kind of cap it. What would be a successful score? Mm. Like, what is the the minimum threshold for you to come out of this game and feel like, okay, that's better than I expected? Um, like if uh, obviously just talking about the score, um, I guess it's I guess if we cover right and and I was shocked that that point spread was twenty five and a half or something. I thought that was going to be at least thirty, which was a shock. So I guess at the end of the day, if we cover, we lose by twenty four, twenty one. That you kind of come out of it like, oh, all right, well that wasn't so bad. <laughs> that's yeah, that's I was my barometer. I along guess along the same lines, like if we can get two touchdowns, and if we keep them under forty, so that would be okay. like thirty-eight, fourteen, thirty-five, seventeen, like somewhere in that range, yeah. which would be a cover, right, right about the spread or or slight cover for Michigan State. Um, it's a hell of a lot better than 56 to seven with a garbage time touchdown. Right. It's, it has to be in the point where when you kind of, we always, we do this constantly, you go onto sports reference and you look back at two seasons ago, four seasons ago, we're doing this all the time for different games, different, whatever memories. And when you scroll through the schedule really quick, if it doesn't like immediately pop out the number, whatever it is, if it just kind of blends in with a season, that's the win, right? 56 to seven stands out. And you're just like, whoa, whoa, what happened? Who was that against? What happened there? You're, I don't know. I remember that one. That was ugly, right? But if it's, yeah, 38, 14, it just kind of, oh, yeah, we lost that one. Oh, I guess, yeah, we lost pretty bad. But it doesn't pop out at you on the on the score sheet. And the same with like national media or whatever, when they're just running through box scores at the end of the week for games they didn't watch. Just Just don't make it one that immediately like, whoa, 60 oh geez okay <laughs> like <laughs> yeah so uh any any parting thoughts on this game not really i think we covered it uh, it's probably gonna be ugly but again you you try to find some ways to make the game more interesting hey if, if you're having a little party at your house for the game or whatever make a drinking game out of it i don't know like just try to have some fun with it because i i genuinely don't believe that we're gonna really be in this one so have some fun with it, you know. Last just, question. Just don't make it miserable. Last question, and we're signing off. If things go similarly to last year, Peyton Thorne threw like thirty-eight percent last year in this matchup. Yeah. Do you give Noah Kim a quarter at the end of the game? Yeah. It, well, not, right? you remember Peyton Thorne got in in twenty twenty and got the rushing touchdown against Ohio State, and that was one of the first Peyton Thorne moments where we were like, "Hey, all right, we might have something here." So, yeah, if it's if it's 49 nothing at halftime if it's sprinkling a little 42 to 7 at halftime you yeah i mean why not like there what do you have, have to lose at that point <laughs> that's a successful game for me if i get to see my guy um, <laughs> in the fourth quarter so we'll see all right well we are going to record back to back here so it won't be released back to back but we're jumping right into the picks so stick around yep. for the picks if uh, if it's already out um that's that's about all i got 
Yeah, enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the game if you don't listen to the picks, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Go green, go white. Take care, folks.